0: Hey guys, and welcome back to the Ms. Independent Podcast. One major goal Nika and I have for this podcast is to teach people, especially women, the basics of investing. And to date, I think we've done a pretty good job. You know, we've talked a lot about the stock market, a little bit about crypto, but something we haven't covered enough is real estate and if real estate is something you are interested in then make sure you listen to the very end of this episode because today we have top real estate broker arthur furs with us to give us all the information and tips that we need to know when it comes to the real estate market so a little bit about my good pal arthur arthur began his career as the head of the in-house marketing department at century 21 atria And since then he has transitioned into real estate where he has received numerous awards, such as being named one of Century 21 Atria's youngest award-winning agents in 2017, as well as he co-founded the award-winning Wolfpack team. His in-depth understanding of marketing and sales has earned him the recognition as the go-to content specialist, helping agents strategize and package their listings for success. Arthur's passion for real estate is noticeable from his energetic, knowledgeable and detail oriented approach when working for his clients. He is an expert in the difference between all styles of homes to aid his clients in locating property that best meets their needs, providing a modern and efficient approach combined with an honest and strategic planning process. Arthur ensures his clients are informed and comfortable every step of the way. Arthur what's up man thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and taking time out of your busy schedule to come speak with us you have such an incredible story being only 26 years old and a top agent at your brokerage why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into real estate and where you are today
1: yeah totally well first and foremost I want to say thank you for having me on the podcast it's an honor I love the content that you guys put out Uh, And I'm really looking forward to hearing a lot more from you guys, uh, because I think that financial education is very, very important. And there's a lot of different markets to study, whether it be real estate or stocks, you know, other forms of investment. There's really a lot to learn. In regards to my story, I started real estate at a relatively young age. I was about 18 years old when I got into the industry. I began while I was studying at university in the second, I believe it was second or uh, third year, somewhere in there. And I was studying at Ryerson and uh, I always had like a little passion for the real estate industry. I always wanted to learn so much coming from a family of uh, of developers. Uh, And I was lucky enough to work at Century 21, which was an office uh, here in Richmond Hill, one of the top offices now, but back then they were a little bit more uh, low key up and coming, I would say. And they gave me a call to work in the marketing department as kind of like a graphic designer and a trainer. And from there, I just decided to, um, you know, I worked there for about two years, learned a lot of things, met a lot of good people uh, and decided that uh, I wanted to kind of take the next step and do things on my own. And since then, I'm fortunate enough to be surrounded by a lot of good people. A lot of my colleagues are um, top producing agents and we created a team known as the Wolfpack team together. And since then, we've consistently ranked in the top 1% of Canada for production. We actually ranked top 21 in terms of global production for Century 21, uh, and the company actually flew us out to LA uh, last year, right before the pandemic started. So it was nice to get out uh, and do some traveling before uh, all this commotion kind of began.
0: That's crazy. I'm so jealous. I'm glad you got some sun and a trip in before all this craziness. Thank you for sharing your story with us. As someone who isn't the most knowledgeable with real estate, I think the first thing I'd want to know is where do you see the real estate market right now? Is it a seller's market, a buyer's market? Is now even a good time to enter the market? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that there are a lot of different markets, especially in the GTA. Uh, We have a, a growing population and I think it's really important to understand that the housing market as a whole can't really be grouped into one basket. There's really a few different markets you know, particularly we have the condo market and, and the freehold housing market. Uh, and then within each market, you, you kind of have small sub markets within them. So, you, you know, you might have the one bedroom market, you might have the two bedroom market, you know, the studio bachelor style market. And then you, you start to get into the freehold market where you have the townhome market, the, the entry level kind of housing, uh, as well as the higher end luxury market. So there's there's a ton of different markets. And it's really important to understand how each market is affected by, you know, the economic climate, you know, mortgage rates and employment. So there's a lot of things that go into it. I would say right now the market is very, very interesting. I think that COVID um, really gave us some light on how weak, but at the same time how strong the market can be. Uh, when COVID started, just about everyone living in a small condo. Uh, was really, really freaked out of living in an apartment or yet alone in any type of multi-residential building. So a lot of people ended up flocking condos, especially those that were smaller. You know, we're talking units that are sub 500 square feet, uh, whether it might be a one-bedroom apartment or a bachelor apartment, because students stopped going to school, because immigration stopped. and, And, you know, a lot of people decided that They'd rather move out of the city because there was a huge, huge worry of catching this deadly virus in an elevator. So a lot of people decided to move out of the city and and into the suburbs. And we saw a very interesting transition from, in particular, the larger condo market that, you know, might be two bedroom, three bedrooms. A lot of people started to realize that they can sell their apartment and move into a house for a very similar cost outside of the city. Uh, and to give you an example you know the average price per square foot in Toronto back then might have been you know floating anywhere between 900 to 1000 new construction generally a little bit more expensive up to 1200 a square foot now we're looking at 1400 a square foot but a lot of people decided that because they were stuck at home and they didn't really receive the benefits of living in a major urban city there wasn't much point to stay the idea of work from home put people in a position that they needed more space because a lot of people weren't able to continue living you know uh, uh, the lifestyle that they wanted to in their you know small little apartment so they would they would sell their condo and then move into something like a townhouse or uh, you know a single car detach or a double car detach because they would be able to make a transition for a relatively similar cost and the reason that i say that is because if you take the average two-bedroom condo and look at the prices that are selling downtown anywhere between 700 to a million dollars plus your maintenance fee uh, which can be anywhere from, you know, 400 all the way up to $800 a month. The carrying cost per month to carry a condominium apartment in those square foot ranges would actually give it the opportunity to own a home outside of the city for a very similar price. And what happened is we almost saw like a flippening where a lot of people were exiting the city and moving into the suburbs and moving into homes that were much more livable. They, they gave people the opportunity to not only work from home, but make a transition into a market that is a freehold market where there's no maintenance fees, for example. Uh, and at the same time, obviously, the benefit of more space, right? Um, I think that the markets that took the largest hit, were looking at the smaller, you know, one bedroom studio apartments because students were no longer going to school so they moved in with their parents you know immigration kind of stopped a lot of those smaller units that were being built in 2017 2018 that were up for lease you know in 2020 were sitting vacant and so you saw not only one bedroom and studio apartment unit the prices plummeted uh, by on average let's say 10 to 20 percent in some areas Uh, if not more. I mean, there's definitely deals that could have been found. But uh, I think that the condo market is slowly recovering. I think that people are slowly starting to come back to the city. Uh, And I think it will take some time before, you know, that market really fully recovers. I do believe that there are still some good deals out there for those who are looking to get into the condo market. In more specific, I would say the smaller apartments that are like I said, anywhere from 400, 500, uh, 550 square feet, kind of in the smaller size range, because they're, you know, they aren't deemed as livable as some of the larger apartment units. But I think that that will slowly start to change as the city starts to open up and people spend less time indoors and more time outdoors, uh, and location will, will at the end of the day, kind of triumph.
0: So, Arthur, what I've been personally seeing is that condos in the core of downtown Toronto are actually cheaper and have decreased more in value than condos outside of the city, for example, in Richmond Hill. Is that what you're also seeing? And if that is actually the case, why are people moving away from the city? The downtown core has always been the most happening place to be, so why are we seeing the shift now?
1: I think that we have to consider how much inventory is available downtown. Between, let's say, 2015 to 2017, there were a lot of pre-construction condos that were being sold because it almost seemed like the market was very, very hot and and was in need of more of these small multi-residential style units. And so when you have this large exodus coming out from a major city, you start to increase the supply naturally. Um, and when you have a large amount of supply and not, Im- not enough demand to keep up, prices tend to go down. If we're looking about the suburbs, we don't really have as much supply as we do downtown- in the downtown core. So I, I, I've seen that the prices in the suburbs weren't hit as hard as the prices downtown, but because naturally people were just leaving the city because there was so much additional inventory coming to the market that just gave buyers a lot more options to choose from and actually in fact march and april sales plummeted by about 30 to 40 percent in the condo space so that just goes to show that because there's not enough transactions happening there's not enough people buying apartments and there's too many of them that are just sitting the prices tend to go down uh, in that situation it's it's relatively simple when when you look at it from a supply and demand
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So Arthur, what market is the most competitive right now, whether that be the townhouse, luxury, condo market? What are you seeing right now?
1: I think that the freehold market was extremely, extremely competitive. So when I say freehold, I mean anything that doesn't include a common element fee, like a condo corporation or something that's not really managed by a condo corporation. So that market was extremely, extremely hot once people started to move out of condos and into these types of properties. And I still believe that that market is relatively strong. I would say that it it might be, it might be cooling down at the moment right now. I think that in February, January, February, March was relatively hot because a lot of people, you know, they're new, people make New Year's resolutions and you can only put your life on hold for so long um, before you decide, you know what, I, I'm ready to make a move and I, I'm, I don't have time to wait anymore, I've waited a year and I wanna get on with my life, right? So there's a lot of people that came from that perspective into the new year and decided, you know what, let's make that decision, let's make that move, let's get on with our lives because we don't have forever to to wait. And so we saw a very, very hot market in January, February, and March. Uh, and now that a lot of those you know, new buyers or perhaps existing buyers that were looking entered the market. I, I'm seeing that the freehold market might slowly be taking a little bit of a cool down going into, into the summer like it usually does as people don't, you know, don't really want to sell a house or move during the summer as, as much as they do in the spring. Spring is generally the hottest time. So I would say the market has been very, very competitive in the freehold space. Entry-level homes are always going to be competitive because they are the most affordable. That includes things like townhomes, semis, especially properties that are priced, I would say, under a million dollars. Those are generally flying.
0: Do those exist? <laughs>
1: Unfortunately, not as much in the city. But I think that if you are open to living in the suburbs, you know, if we're talking Peel region, Mississauga, uh, perhaps York region, anything like Richmond Hill, Aurora, Newmarket, uh, maybe even out into the east, Oshawa, Pickering, Ajax, Whippy, there are some opportunities However, they are slowly, you know, going away as, as they get bought up. But I do believe that if you're willing to make a little bit of a commute and if, that, if that's something that, you know, you can, uh, if it's not a priority to live in the center of the city, there's definitely some good opportunity to be found within an hour outside of the city. Uh, your dollar will just go quite a bit further than it does anywhere downtown or anywhere in Toronto for that matter
0: so you mentioned that there are some opportunities because the condo market took a hit can you please elaborate on that do you think now is even a good time to enter the market
1: yeah i think that the condo market like i said took the biggest hit um and i think that those that are looking to enter the market whether it might be for investment but primarily for those that are looking for a primary residence. I think that the condo market has a lot of opportunity to consider that the large, vast majority of smaller apartment units, one bedrooms for example, tend to be investor owned. There are a lot of investors that might come, you know, because rents are relatively low right now, there might be a lot of investors that are, you know, looking to escape the market or maybe purchase a different type of product. Uh, And because the prices are so low right now in that sector compared to where they were pre COVID. There's a lot of opportunity in that sector for for first-time buyers, for entry-level buyers, to really find some good deals, especially those that want to live in a city and you know reap the benefits of, of living in the city maybe one, two years down the line once things start to clear up. I think that there's a lot of things to consider when buying real estate, and one of the most important things is, of course, mortgage rates. Being where we are right now in this economic climate, I think that mortgage rates are really at an all-time low right now Uh, And for those that are looking to enter the market, it's a good time to take advantage of these all-time low rates, whether it be a variable or a fixed rate. I mean, you're looking at rates that are less than inflation. Anything less than 2% historically is considered extremely, extremely low. So when you really couple these factors in together, if we look at the average carrying cost per month, for say, for example, a one-bedroom condo or a two-bedroom condo, whatever it might be downtown, you're looking at a difference of roughly 20 to 25% less to carry that same property per month than what you would be paying pre-COVID due to the reasons that, first of all, the interest rates for mortgages have dropped, but at the same time, the prices of condos have dropped in general as well. Now, I do think that, like I said, I do think that the condo market, a lot of people started to realize uh, that there was a lot of opportunity in the condo market. So looking at the statistics, I have a feeling that, November, December was more or less the bottom as far as how low prices can go. And I think that things are starting to rebound right now. So if you're looking to get into the condo market, you really want to keep an eye on where the prices are and where they're moving month over month. As well as take a look at the average price per square foot in different regions. Every region in the city has its own different price point. And to really understand what good value is, you have to take a look at how much space your dollar will get you in different regions of the city. If you're particular in living in a certain pocket of the city, then you might not have as much flexibility in terms of price as you might hope for. But if you're flexible in living downtown in whatever region, so long as you have maybe subway access or uh, maybe you have a vehicle so you don't have to live dead in the center of the city, there are... Tons of deals going around and prices really, really vary depending on what pocket you choose to live in. For example, you know, Yorkville is going to be one of the most expensive areas to live downtown for good reasons. Uh, and then you can have areas that are on the south side of the city, such as you know, Fort York or Liberty Village, that are very youthful in nature, you know, King West, and, and the prices are, you know, drastically different than those you know, in in the Yorkville area, in the blue area, um, you know, anything around the Dundas area, the the prices really, really vary depending on what pocket you choose to live in. But I do think that for those considering entering the market, I do think it's a great time for first-time buyers. If you're looking to get into a great rental at a great price, you know, you're looking at a difference of 20, maybe even 30%, depending on the region, of a difference in price from where it used to be pre-COVID. And back then, you know, you, you were looking at one-bedrooms and bachelor suites renting for almost $2,000 whereas now you have them renting anywhere between 15 16 possibly even 1700 and landlords are willing to give incentives such as you know the first month might be free uh, or negotiating on on the rents because they don't want to leave the space empty so I, I think that a lot of opportunity for tenants Uh, As an investor, you really have to see through the long term and and weather this storm out. If you're looking to get into the market as an investor, consider the fact that you're buying a property at a discounted price and securing it with extremely low mortgage rates. But you're going to have to swallow the idea of either having that unit sit empty for some time or taking a discounted rental price in order to keep it uh, afloat.
0: Okay, Arthur. So what do you think about the freehold market?
1: I think that the freehold market you're looking at prices that are near all time highs right now. Um, Like I said, there are different markets in the city. And what we tend to see is when the condo market is doing very, very well, the freehold market tends to suffer slightly. But then the pendulum tends to swing. So whenever the condo market's doing poorly, we see the freehold market uh, really, really exploding. So I think that Within the last year, the condo market has taken a big hit, the freehold market has been absolutely on fire. Uh, You know, I'm talking 10, 15, 20. I've heard stories of 70 offers on one property, um, which is absolutely insane. So I think that if you're looking to get into the freehold market, that and what that means again is anything that doesn't include a maintenance fee. There are some properties that are parcel of tied land properties that have a small common element fee, but that just simply goes to you know maintaining the grass or cleaning the snow. Um, for the most part, freehold properties. I would say if you're looking to get in, watch the market right now, see where things go. I do have a feeling that the market is slightly cooling down right now. Uh, we don't. You know, nobody can really predict what will happen, uh, but statistically speaking, the freehold market uh, and markets in general tend to cool down a little bit in the summer. Um, so, I would watch the market right now, see where prices are going. If you see a good deal, um, you know, it, good deals are always going around. So, if you see a good deal, by all means, do some research and it might, might be something to take advantage of. Uh, but if we're looking at the market as a whole, I think that there is some room uh, right now for prices to cool off after an extremely, extremely hot year.
0: So we've discussed where you see the market is currently, but where do you see the market headed? In the short term, in the long term, there's been a lot of talk about a crash coming, and I'd like to get your thoughts on that.
1: Uh, I think that the last year has really proven the resiliency of the, of the market. Um, of course, the condo market, did take a really, really big hit. I would, I would. I wouldn't necessarily consider it a crash, but I would consider it a correction. I do think that, like I said, I do think that the freehold market has some room to to cool off a little bit. In terms of the long-term perspective in the market, I think that prices will continue to grow at so long as interest rates remain low. Because of the interest rates being where they are right now, it makes it relatively easier for people to upsize and, and maybe scale their budget. And the one thing that I would keep in mind is, what will happen to the market once the economy really starts to open? Immigration starts to open. And once people start getting back to work, I think that's gonna drive prices upwards as well. It's gonna put some pressure on prices to, to grow. In the short term, I think that we're probably going to look at a market that's going to trade somewhat flat or increasing modestly at a modest price point, depending on the type of property that you're looking for. Uh, but I do believe that uh, by next year, we should probably you know get back to a what might be more of a normal. And I think that within the next year or so, uh, moving into 2021, 2022, we're gonna see prices continuing to grow. And once the economy opens up and immigration comes back, I think that we're gonna see uh, a lot of pressure on prices to move upwards as well. Interestingly enough, taking a look at the prices for construction and the prices of land, seems to me that COVID has put a lot of stress in the supply chain, which in turn has raised the price of a lot of our organic building materials, such as wood, any type of metals. For example, lumber has gone up in price on average, you know, 20. Some people are telling me 30 percent. So the cost of construction uh, is increasingly moving upwards. And, you know, that price is obviously going to be passed on to the end user. Condos right now, if we look at a new construction condo that's going to be built anywhere three to four, maybe even five years from now, If you take a look at the average price per square foot, it's actually somewhat astonishing to see how high these one-bedroom, two-bedroom, three-bedroom condos are being sold for. I mean, I was taking a look at some of the new price lists for some new projects in Mimico, as well as uh, in Vaughan, uh, Festival Towers at Highway 7 and Jane. Great projects, but the price points are, are... moving dramatically upwards from where they were just a few years ago. So I think that the combination of low interest rates, the the fact that these uh, building materials are gradually getting more expensive, I think that that's gonna drive prices upwards. I think that it will become more expensive to own real estate, combined with the economic climate that we're seeing right now, uh, with this quantitative easing and the printing of of money for stimulus, I think that that might have an effect on our dollar and that might drive prices further upwards as well. We don't really know where inflation is going to go, but I think that if we do see uh, some inflation, I think that asset prices are likely to grow.
0: Yeah, I think that there is a lot of things that are going into the economy right now and that there is a lot of uncertainty, especially surrounding the effects inflation will have on our economy in the coming years. I'm curious to see how inflation will affect the real estate market and our purchasing power as consumers. So I think that was a really great point, Arthur. When your clients look to purchase properties, whether that be their home or an investment property, what are the things people value the most when looking for their properties i think in the past most people wanted a nice functional kitchen a big master bedroom what do you see the trends to be right now
1: Uh, i think that there are a lot of things to consider i think that the COVID landscape has changed the way that we think about our lifestyle and about our living space Um, so right away obviously i think that people really want to have efficient layouts i think that Home offices are becoming increasingly more popular. Uh, people want to make sure that they have enough space to work and play at home. Of course, basic features like a good functional kitchen, as well as a functional living area are always going to be at the top of mind. But I think that right now, especially in a city like Toronto, some of the things that are on people's mind the most are, thing, you know, of course, prices, right? I think that prices are one of the most important things that a lot of buyers are considering because... Before you buy a home, you're not really looking at the features that you want to have in a home. Uh, I mean, you you might be hopeful to get everything that you want, but unfortunately that might not be the case. It's most important to understand where your budget sits and how you're able to work within that budget. And now, if we're looking at the condo market, for example, whether or not it be a resale or a pre-construction, a lot of my clients now uh, that are buying condos, especially pre-constructions, the thing that's top of mind is the deposit structure. Right? And when you're buying a pre-construction condo, you're not you know, looking to close a mortgage on that property in the immediate short term. Uh, that building will be uh, built in the next three to four years, at which then you will have to make sure you have uh, a mortgage to close the property. Right. But a lot of these buyers are really taking into consideration the deposit structure of how is my 20% down payment being split up. And a lot of builders are offering incentives at this time, you know, giving buyers the opportunity to put 5% in one year, 5% in another year, you know, 5% in the third year, uh, or maybe even 5% in the first year and 10% in the second year to make you know, the affordability for prospective buyers much more manageable than it was before. I mean you're looking pre-COVID, you're looking at, you know, your entire twenty percent down payment might be split in the first year, maybe year and a half, right? And now we're seeing a lot of extended deposit structures that are allowing buyers to extend their down payment two three years down the line, which makes these projects much more affordable, especially for those that are looking to enter the market. So that's that's been a really big consideration. I would say recently in terms of what are people considering if they're buying a new home. Uh, In terms of resale, I think that people are really uh, considering efficiency, layout. Most people don't necessarily want to live in a small apartment because they know that their work from home lifestyle. Uh, will not be very manageable in those small spaces. So people are stepping out of those smaller apartments into something that's slightly larger. and those smaller apartments tend to sit on the market a little bit longer and you know might be a little bit more difficult to rent. but most people really see the value of having uh, an efficient layout, something that can be uh, something that can double for play and for work. That's very, very important right now. At the end of the day, I think that anything in the inside of the you know, whether it be an apartment or a home, you can generally change. So as long as you understand what fundamental things you're looking for such as, you know, maybe the area that you want to live in uh, or the price point that you're looking to buy in, you can find the right property for yourself and you can make whatever modifications you really like to that property, you know, within reason. And I think that with resale freehold properties, especially those that are in the entry level market, I think that people are really considering what they can afford. Uh, and that might not necessarily be in the area that they want it's mostly the price point uh, and affordability because there's so much competition that's flooding that market right now I mean I have some first-time buyers that really wanted to live for example in one area like Markham but then we started to realize that there was more value we were being provided to find a condo closer to Toronto because the prices dropped so we decided to move their search criteria and their location over to where they received the most value So I think that in the market like right now, buyers are really considering, where can I get the most amount of value for my dollar?
0: In your experience as a real estate agent for a number of years, what is the average time frame it takes for your clients to find a property that is right for them? For example, let's say I'm looking to buy and move into a new home come this October. When should I start the house hunting process for this home?
1: No, that's that's a good question. I, I don't necessarily think there's a certain timeline that you can put. Uh, on that. I think that every buyer is different. I have some buyers that find their dream home in two, three weeks, and then I have other clients where we're looking for a few months, right? It it really depends. But I think that education is the most important thing. Uh, I think that if you're following the market and understand really what you're looking for, you can find what's out there relatively quickly. I would say in anywhere between three to six, even up to eight weeks, you'd be able to find what you're looking for. I think that the most important thing is that a lot of buyers make the mistake of finding a property that they love, not trying their best to secure that property, and then having some sort of remorse when they continue looking for another property, but they can't find those same qualities that they did in the first one that they loved. So that's always very, very difficult. And what I usually advise my clients is I say, listen, if you have a specific budget that you'd like to work with, know what that budget is and know what you value in a space. And as soon as you find the right property that fits your criteria work as much as you can to secure that property. If it works, because you might not be as lucky to find one just like that in the future. So I would say that as long as you're ready to go in terms of your pre approvals, you understand what you're looking for. uh, You're an educated buyer and you understand what direction the market is moving in uh, and, um, you know what kind of things are important to you i think that you can find a property relatively quickly but i think if you're someone that needs to prepare for example there's there's people out there that might need to save a little bit more for their down payment before they can enter the market Um, in in that situation it's good to start perhaps researching start looking at listings you know contact an agent that you'd like to work with someone that really works well and understands you i think that the relationship between an agent Uh, and the client is really important because at the end of the day, you wanna work with someone that you can trust and you don't wanna feel like uh, you're being kind of pushed into a corner. You wanna make sure that you have a strong relationship with your realtor uh, in a way that they understand what your needs are, but at the same time, they can provide you guidance on what they believe is best for you because at the end of the day, You know, us agents, we see these properties coming to market all the time so we can really identify what might be a good deal, what might not be a good deal. So I think that's really, really important. But for those that are looking to get into the market and are looking to prepare, I would say start by doing your homework, start by getting your pre-approvals, start by researching where the market is headed and talk to an agent and get a second opinion. It's always very, very valuable to talk to a realtor because as a buyer, it is free to use a real estate agent to purchase a home. I think that there's a misconception that you actually have to pay your real estate agent to find you a property, but that's not the case. The seller, uh, majority of the cases, I would say 99%, uh, will pay the commissions out to the buying agent who brings a qualified buyer. And so why not work with a qualified professional that works in this industry if it's not going to cost you anything? Uh, I think that a lot of buyers sometimes make the mistake of buying a home on their own, but they don't have the research and the knowledge to understand whether or not what they bought is a good deal or not. Um, I mean, I've heard stories of of buyers going into an open house and buying a property directly from the listing agent who in fact represents the interests of the seller, not the buyer, but the seller, uh, and they'll end up paying significantly more than what the home is worth, uh, only to find out a few years later that they overpaid for that property. So I think it's really, really important to create a good, lasting relationship with your real estate agent. Find someone that understands you. Find someone that you can communicate well with and and really understands your needs because that will go a long, long way.
0: So speaking of finding a qualified real estate agent, I am fortunate enough to know you and have you as my agent. But how does someone who doesn't have an agent go about finding a great one? What are some of the things people should look for when interviewing or speaking to potential agents that they want to work with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The interview process is something that I do all the time with my clients, of course. Uh, whenever you're looking to meet a new realtor or, uh, you know, if, uh, from my side, if I'm a real estate agent looking to meet a client, you always want to have, you know, that discussion with, you know, the, the real estate agent or the buyer, whatever it might be about what their goals are and how you guys can work together. Uh, every real estate agent is very, very different, right? I mean, you might have real estate agents that have been in the industry for 30, 40 years, but for those of you that are younger, that are you know very tech savvy, you might not find that relationship as fluid as you might like, right? And so I, I think it's really, really important to talk to a few agents, especially agents that understand the area that you wanna buy in. Sometimes people will, will see a for sale sign, for example, in a neighborhood that an agent's selling in. And you know, decide to talk to that agent. What I like to do is I suggest any buyer to dig deep into their agent and understand, you know, maybe they have some reviews online, maybe they have some portfolio work online that you can take a look at. Um, because not all real estate agents are the same, right? I mean, only about 10% of agents do more than two transactions a year. And what I always like to say to my clients is, it's not about how long you've necessarily been in the business, it's about how many transactions you do while you're in the business. Because somebody that might be buying one or two, maybe three homes a year, sure you can make, you know, a decent salary uh, or a living in that case, but you don't really have as much experience with the market because the market can move very, very quickly. And if you're not actively engaged in the market, you don't. Really, the real estate agent might find it very difficult to guide you in those circumstances. Versus somebody that's actively engaged and working full time, uh, they really understand the direction that the market's headed, and they will understand what is best for you in a sense of what you're looking for to fit your criteria. So I think that the most important thing really make sure you can establish a strong relationship with your agent. Make sure that you know you can really give them uh, the criteria of what you're looking for. And hopefully you guys can work together and create a successful relationship that will last years and years and years past uh, you know, your own transaction. But I think that that's really the most important thing. I think that relationships go a long way because at the end of the day, you're gonna be working as a team. You're gonna be working uh, as a unit to find the right property for yourself. Uh, and at the end of the day, you wanna make sure that you have someone that's you know, easily available. There, there are some showings that I will go the night of for my clients if we really, really need to see a specific type of house. Uh, you know, we don't necessarily have time to wait. So I'll call my clients and say, listen, we got to go tonight. And that might be nine o'clock at night. I mean, we've secured many homes like that, especially in a hot market. So I think that, you know, if you have an agent that's readily available, really great at communicating, and at the same time, if if you're someone that's very tech savvy, you wanna make sure that your philosophies are in line. You you don't wanna be working with someone that is gonna fax you your contracts when you're someone that prefers digital signatures, right? Because um, you're gonna kinda cross paths on different things and uh, that might be a little bit of a difficult relationship to continue growing, especially if you guys aren't really on the same line.
0: I think another thing people should look out for is the agent's portfolio of houses that they have sold or helped buy for their clients and in what areas that agent mainly works in let's say you're looking to buy a townhouse finding a broker who has helped buy or sell tons of townhouses especially in your desired area adds so much credibility and shows that they know what to look for when finding you your townhouse and what a fair price to pay for that house is Or when they spot an amazing deal. So Arthur, you have given a lot of advice to, I would say buyers. Now let's give some advice to people who are looking to sell their homes. So in terms of selling your home, what advice would you give people when they're prepping their house for sale? There is a lot of different conflicting information out there. I have read that it's best to keep your house just as is so people can see themselves in your house. Whereas others swear by decluttering the home, getting rid of furniture and personal knickknacks, you know, painting the walls in neutral colors and trying to make the space appear as large as possible. What do you see working best and what is something people should avoid?
1: Uh, I think that the most important thing is to really depersonalize your space because the one thing that you don't want people to feel when they're walking into your home is to feel like they're walking into your home right although it is still your property you don't want to give buyers the impression that they're walking into a home that might not feel like it's there so the most successful sales generally they will depersonalize the home make it as basic as they can to show the functionality a of the layout uh, and also make people feel like they're walking into something that might be like a model home, right? You, If you ever go to an open house that's staged very, very well, um, you walk into that house and you think to yourself, wait, does somebody even live here? Like, it's so <laughs> clean. Like, really? Somebody lives like this? That's kind of the feeling you want to give people. You want people to feel welcomed when they walk into the home because that's what's going to give them the vision of seeing themselves live there. In terms of prepping the property for sale, I always recommend doing minor touch-ups if you can. Uh, Things like paint go a long way. Things like lighting go a long way. If you have damaged floors, depending on what type of property you're selling, if it's a small condo, you know, consider replacing the floors Because when you really think about it, the floors and the walls consist of about 80% of the space that your eyes look at, right? So if you can make a good impression on that 80%, chances are you can make a good impression on that buyer. And so with, with those things in mind, the most important thing is really just to depersonalize your space, Make it nice and clean, make some touch-ups as as much as you can, and um, yeah, get rid of family photos. Nobody uh, really wants to see those kind of photos on the wall sometimes, especially things that are very personal, Uh, and at the same time as a seller, you know, you don't want your children to be online on realtor.ca everywhere for the world to see. So get rid of those photos, Uh, maybe get some generic artwork, something abstract uh, that might really give the space color, Uh, and work with a stager if you uh, are really looking to get top dollar, because stagers understand... Uh, the value that they deliver when staging a home, and I believe that in many instances it is worth it to invest in a designer that be able to bring in beautiful modern furniture and really rearrange the layout the way that it's intended to be used. Uh, oftentimes I'll see homes that are 40, 50, 60, heck, even a hundred years old that might look like crap on the bare bones, but the staging acts as a band-aid. and because it looks really, really pretty to the eye in terms of what the furniture looks like. People tend to not really see past that as much and look at all the defects. They, they kind of see this beautiful space with this nice staging and this night furniture, and it pulls people away from the deficiencies that might be inside the home. So it almost acts like a distraction. So I, I would really consider that uh, if you're looking to sell your property, by all means, maybe even consult uh, a designer. They might even be able to use your own furniture, not necessarily have to bring in a ton of Different types of furniture to fill your space. They could use your own things and maybe accessorize it, but I think that that goes a long way. Um, take a look at some pictures online of how people pre- prepared their homes for sale, and that'll probably give you some inspiration.
0: That was some really great advice. I think where I want to end off this episode is with your opinion on investing in the stock market versus the real estate market what do you like more
1: yeah i think that there's opportunities in both markets i think that the last two months you know specifically in the stock market has been particularly interesting very very volatile of course Uh, the nasdaq dropped quite a bit so i think there's a lot of good buying opportunities in the stock market right now if you're looking to enter a position you can definitely find some great stocks that are at you know at a discounted price right now i mean many stocks fell 20, 30, 40, 50%. So I think there's a lot of good opportunity. But at the same time, the stock market has become a very interesting place to invest because you're seeing a lot of companies that are breaking record earnings, but then their stock price is going down. So it seems as though some things are a little bit upside down and then you have stocks like GME that are going to the moon. Um, So it's very hard to explain where the best investment might be sometimes. I think that if you're looking for something very stable and very predictable, I would suggest working with the real estate market if you can do so. And I also think that it really depends on budgeting, right? I mean, if if you can't really get into the real estate market in the position that you're in, then by all means the stock market can be a great great place to start investing, especially now there's a lot of good deals going around. The only question is whether or not the stock market moving forward will be a safe and reliable place to invest in. Knowing the economic climate that we are kind of living in right now, nobody really knows what the future might hold, right? Um, and I think that the last two months really gave people a wake up call in the stock market that anything can really happen, right? And I think me included, I, I, I mean, there's a lot of positions that I had that, you know, ended up dropping, unfortunately so. But that's just the nature of how the market works, right? So I think that if you're looking to get into an investment that requires little to no money, then I would consider more or less investing in stocks. But if you're someone that prefers a stable investment and you have enough to buy real estate, uh, you know, preferably 20% down, then I would probably suggest leveraging low interest rates, leveraging low prices, especially in the condo market right now, or perhaps even multifamily homes that are like duplexes where you can rent perhaps the main floor in a basement and, and potentially have some good rental income coming in or at least enough income to cover your mortgage uh, and hope for you know appreciation for the property in the long term. I think that at the end of the day, what we need to consider as investors is we can't consider short-term investing a priority. I think that long-term investing is very, very important. Uh, and I think that at the end of the day, you know, chances are the markets will continue to grow. And and I think that with with stocks and with real estate in particular, as soon as this whole coronavirus COVID-19 crisis comes to an end, I'm sure that we'll start kind of getting back to normal and, and things will be a little bit more predictable than they are now because the way that it seems like right now, we're in a very volatile market depending on what type of market we're looking at. But I like both. I mean, it's very difficult to to really pinpoint what's better. I I do like both. Uh, I mean, I'm invested in the stock market. I'm invested in real estate. I hold some Bitcoin as well. Um, For all those that believe in Bitcoin, I think that Bitcoin has some potential. And uh, especially seeing where the smart money's headed right now, you're seeing a lot of major institutions buying Bitcoin. And I think that it's just a matter of time before others start to realize the potential of, you know, cryptocurrencies, uh, not necessarily as a currency on its own, but the, the technology behind the blockchain and what it can do to revolutionize different industries, you know, such as finance industries, tech industries, uh, you name it. So I think, that, I think that at the end of the day, diversification is very, very important. I think that we should aim to be as diversified as we can and not necessarily put all our eggs in, in one basket. Uh, but for me personally, I think that it's very important to save and buy real estate the sooner than later um, Because with real estate, you can always leverage your real estate Say, for example, if you're a business owner uh, and you own a property that you have equity in You know, you can go to the bank and maybe refinance that property And get a loan for significantly more than you would be able to just walk into Without real estate, just to walk in the bank and hope for a specific type of loan, right? So I think that real estate has a lot of benefits uh, it does have some drawbacks as well, but like any type of investor investing strategy, we always take a risk, right? As investors, we, we understand that things can go up, things can go down, but that's just the nature of investing. So I think that at the end of the day, it's, it's all about really doing your due diligence, doing your homework, understanding where the opportunities lie, uh, and taking advantage of them, right? You wanna, you wanna move from a position of strength, not a pr- position of weakness. So as long as you're moving from a position of strength and understand as much and do your homework and understand as much as you possibly can, uh, then you, know, you consider moving a position of strength instead of just jumping in what the latest trends might be. And the one thing about investing in real estate that I think is very, very important is you have the opportunity to use your money to leverage a larger sum of money, right? So if you take for example, twenty thousand dollars, or let's be more realistic with real estate. We're probably gonna need a little bit more. Um, let's say, for example, hundred thousand dollars, right? Which is twenty percent on five hundred K. With hundred thousand dollars, you have the opportunity to leverage five hundred thousand dollars. Whereas in the stock market, you, unless you're you know trading with some kind of leverage, which could be risky, if you're looking to trade from a position of strength with the amount of funds that you have, you can only leverage the amount of money that you have in the market at that time. Whether with real estate, you have the benefit of leveraging a larger lump sum of money, uh, which could potentially increase significantly more on a smaller margin, right? I mean, if you're looking at a $100,000 increase in the stock market at 10%, that's only about $10,000, right? But if you use that same $100,000 and put into real estate and buy a property for $500,000, that $500,000, you're leveraging 10%, which is roughly $50,000 right so with the same hundred thousand dollars you have a dramatic dramatic difference in return which i think is something to consider but at the end of the day nothing in life is guaranteed it's just something that uh, you should consider if you're looking to invest a large lump sum of money whether it be in the stock market or whether in real estate i i prefer real estate because i think it's a little bit safer and at the end of the day everyone will always need a place to live so everyone is kind of in my in my opinion everyone is my client right because everyone needs a home and so for that reason real estate will never go like out of style right for that reason real estate will generally continue to grow historically in price uh, and it it's really a safe investment vehicle and it's been proven historically to be a relatively safe investment
0: thank you so much for coming on this podcast today arthur Thank you so much for your time and your advice. Is there anything you want to leave our listeners with before we end this episode?
1: Yeah, I just want to say thank you. Uh, If you guys got to the end of the podcast here, thank you for listening through. And if you're looking for some real estate or investment advice, whatever it might be, I'm always available. I love talking real estate. And you can reach me directly. You can Google my name. Uh, on Google, Arthur First, and you can find me uh, directly on the Century 21 website, or you can find my realtor.ca profile. Take a look at some of my reviews, see what my clients have to say about me. Uh, and you can also follow me on Instagram if you like. My Instagram is Arthur underscore first, and uh, maybe take a look at some of the homes and some of the listings that I've put up. Might give you some design inspiration, uh, or might just give you some statistics about where the market's going, and a little bit of a slice into my life. Um, But yeah, no, I appreciate you guys for having me. This was a blast and uh, I look forward to uh, doing more episodes in the future.
0: Definitely. And we can't wait to have you back on in the future. Again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Arthur. And until next time, guys, bye.